Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of 401 Access Denied, brought to you by both Cybery and Delinea. I'm Joseph Carson, your co-host for the episode today, and I've got some exciting news for you. Um, I'm joined by an awesome guest, and we've got uh, something to announce today. So the awesome guest is joining me is Chloe, and Chloe is going to be my new permanent co-host of the episode moving forward. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you join me today. So, Chloe, do you want to give the audience a bit of a background about yourself, what you do? And, sure. uh, and we can take it from there. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on here, Joe. It's going to be fun to do some episodes with you. Um, so basically, I am the Chief Impact Officer over at Cybury. And what I basically do is I'm, you know, helping the business grow and really getting those feedback loops from customers um, if that is like, you know, on our team side or if that's individuals, but making sure that their voice is being heard and that when we develop products that, you know, it's incorporated and adding new features um, because it's something that they've been wanting. And so that's my job is basically is to enhance trust, mitigate risk and to become more purpose driven. Um, and I'm incredibly excited and static to Power Cyberry and it's been wonderful so far. Awesome. And a little bit, how did you get into the industry itself? Is, is cybersecurity oh, your kind of your main background that you started off? <laughs> That's or a great question. Into like, like many other people, I came in by complete accident um, back in 2017 um, before I was a management consultant, but I focused on like tech startups and nonprofits. A lot of my work was like basically what I do today, um, but at, at several different companies. And yeah, and then one day I got a call from a recruiter like, hey, there's a cybersecurity company that's looking for someone. Would you be interested? And I'm like, hmm, never been, never thought about it that. Sure, why not? And and within the first two weeks, I realized this is, uh, there's never a moment where you're not learning something new. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things I, I was doing a conference recently. And I, I, I mentioned that, you know, when you choose a, you know, a career in cybersecurity, what you're doing is you're choosing a career in continuous education because you always have to learn. If you stop learning, uh, within two years, you could be already out of date. Um, so this is, a, this is a career where uh, continuous education, learning, knowledge, and, and sharing that knowledge becomes very, very important, uh, especially you know, to, to keep progressing in the industry. Because um, even we had you know discussion not long ago with Kevin, we had a discussion about how to get you know, new people into the industry. And even new people that had recent training can sometimes be already up to date than people that's been in the industry for 20 years uh, because of that continuous learning need. Exactly. So I think one of the important topics I want to talk with you today is, and it's a big major challenge. Um, I've seen it from, you know, from, I'm based in EMEA, so based in Talent Estonia. So I might have a different perspective. I see a different angle uh, on it. And, but definitely I want to talk about is, you know, a major challenge I've seen is employee retention. And also one of the areas, the factors of why it's, it's difficult to keep some employees is that um, as a result of burnout, that employees, this is an industry which is 
highly stressful. It's fast-paced. Um, it can be very, let's say, nasty on social media in regards because there is, you know, there is, uh, you know, trolls out there that will take advantage of people who are trying to do a good thing, but they will actually, you know, call people out. And, and also, you know, I, I think it's really important to kind of look at this and, and is this some, something that's systematic, this, this building, is it, is it worse uh, than what we're reporting? Are we reporting it uh, enough to raise awareness? Uh, what's, what's your view on this area? I, this might sound weird, but I'm actually very disappointed. Um, the reason for that is back in 2019, myself and, and others, we've been talking about burnout in, on the security team. We've been like shouting it from rooftops and no one paid attention to it. Um, on the manager side or on the leadership side, they just like, eh, whatever. They're going to still do the business. They're still going to work all hours. We can ask them. We can do whatever we want with them. And, and now, you know, pandemic hits and then they're like, wait, people are burned out. What do we do? And, and then it feels like every single move that they're making from our industry as a whole is all the wrong choices. And so what's end up happening is that for those that don't know, when you have burnout for a long, prolonged time, you end up actually getting diagnosed with depression or anxiety. So that is one thing to keep in mind. So if you don't have your burnout get treated, you're going to end up having a much harder time in recovery. And a lot of times people think, oh, I'll just take a vacation. I'll feel better. That's not how burnout works. Burnout means you have to make drastic life changes to be able to recover. So this could take a year or a couple of years to recover on. Um, and so that is like the one thing is that we're not doing enough in the industry to really change the situation. And we keep talking about, oh, we have a shortage of personnel. We don't really have a shortage of personnel. We have a shortage of skills, yes. But we also have a shortage of caring for people when they come and they get in onboarded. We don't invest in our security team. And so what ends up happening is that we have people that are going through a revolving door situation where, you know, our statistics aren't changing that much about who, how many people are entering and who's entering because it's just a revolving door because we're not fixing anything. We're just giving, we're basically putting out band-aids when in reality, it's not just a burnout situation now. You know, people are leaving our industry because of burnout, but also they're leaving the industry because of PTSD they're getting from their job. Yeah. For me, it's, I mean, I've seen for... When people, you know, this is a very under-resourced industry. You know, we do, and and an under-resourced does mean that people end up being overloaded. Um, and when you're overloaded, what happens is you get into this kind of, let's say, rut where you're never getting, you're never getting enough work. Basically, you're freeing up your time. You're always in the cycle of always being busy. You've always got firefighting. You've always got something major incident that's always happening. Um, so sometimes, you know, and it does mean that end up people do work a long, uh, you know, week, they work long hours and it's just, they can't get out of that cycle. And I think that cycle just progresses for such a long time that ultimately if they don't get the balance between having, you know, productivity and even, you know, personal time, um, this can lead to very stressful environments. And to your point is, is that if that stress prolongs, uh, my understanding is if, if the management don't deal with it early. This can lead to more, let's say, trauma scenarios where you know people start actually uh, getting other types of things to deal with it. Whether it being, you know, 
I've seen in, in the infosec industry, alcohol uh, being a major impact where people turn to alcohol to try and deal with it. And then, uh, you know, that becomes where the, the company sees that as the problem, but not dealing with the origin source, which is the stress and the trauma. Um, even food, even lack of, uh, you know, lifestyle um, balance as well uh, can also lead to eating disorders, sleeping disorders, other types of things. So for this industry, it is very stressful. And, and if you keep that for a long time, it can lead to trauma. Um, and it's something that, you know, we do see it. We, we do see, you know, aspects of it on social media, people reaching out. Uh, but I do think that the, the pandemic, a lot of people were dealing with it because we had a very great community when we came together. We had so many events where people can come. And I think the events themselves, the in-person events, sometimes allowed people to vent and to socialize and to try and deal with it that way. But when we get into the pandemic, that venting or that kind of way of dealing with it was no longer there. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the pandemic also has accelerated some of these impacts. Um, do we have, you know, is there some uh, types of things that we can deal with it? Um, or is it mainly on organizations need to re- recognize it or find a way to balance it? What's what's kind of the recommendations yeah. here to, to address? Yeah, so uh, I'm giving a presentation at RSA conference. And this presentation was built by myself and Ryan Louie, who's a psychologist um, that has been in cybersecurity space as well. And we wanted to dive in to try to figure out what's really happening behind scenes. So the reality is, like you said, burnout occurs when we can't balance our personal life and our work life. So if we don't have that balance, then we're going to start developing burnout. Well, a lot of times people believe it's because the amount of work and it's not. Actually, the top two reasons for why that is from our research that we gathered was poor leadership. Poor leadership was number one. The second was the lack of organization caring. So those are the two parts where we start having mm-hmm. burnout. And usually how it works is that with when you start a new job, it takes within six months for a non-managerial role. And if you're in a manager role, it takes one to two years because you have more sense of autonomy. But that poor leadership and lack of organization caring is the reasons why we're developing burnout. It's not about the overworked mm-hmm. load. That's like number seven out of the top 10. Yeah. So if you think about that, then we're like, wait, then I'm so confused here. So why is it like this? And it's really because we're not doing well enough when it comes to our leadership and having conversations about how to invest. What happens is that we were like, well, let's just throw tools at them, right? But we never had a conversation with the security team and be like, what do you need? How can I help you? And this is the problem. If we're not having those conversations, then no one feels like they have an autonomy at work. Then they're going to get upset. Mm-hmm. And when we start getting upset, then we're going to go into apathy. When we get into apathy, that's when we start going into that burnout rabbit hole. But the thing is, is that the similarities between burnout and PTSD, and for those that don't know about PTSD, the warning signs, it's avoidance of situations or people, it's having like nightmares or just flashbacks, um, changes in mood and easily frustrated. But as you also know, burnout and PTSD, you just heard those were the symptoms for PTSD, but burnout and PTSD mimic each other. In other words, exposure to trauma or extreme stressor respond with fear, hopelessness, and horror, sleep disturbances and nightmares, depression or withdrawal, mood changes, generalized irritability, avoid activities that promote recall a traumatic event. Those are also PTSD. 
And this is the thing we haven't talked about. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, when Ryan and I, we came together and we were like, we need a, we really need to drive this one in because the reality is that we also have this other thing called post-COVID stress disorder, PCSD, um, which is, you know, what people have been having and getting diagnosed slowly with um, for those that had to deal with the pandemic and anything that caused them to have PTSD from the pandemic is called PCSD. Um, and so it's one of those things that where I just kind of sit there and I listen to people's stories about how they're feeling burned out. And it just sounds like, no, that's not burnout anymore. This is a lot worse. And, you know, I'm glad that in our community now, every time we go to a conference, there's a talk about burnout. That's great. I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. But this is a more serious problem now. We're actually talking about PTSD now. So it does. I mean, do you think it comes from specific roles in our industry? Because I, I know in certain parts of our industry where you might have people dealing with, you know, cybercrime, and they're looking at really, you know, a really horrible content. Um, and they have to filter that content. They have to see it, and they have to, you know, report it. Um, especially in law enforcement, you know, it's a specific area or government agencies. Going through that content can be very traumatizing. Um, and doing that for you know a perceived long time, um, communicating with cyber criminals, uh, you know, doing threat intelligence research, also on things like the dark web, uh, can also lead to you know seeing a lot of you know violent content. Um, is there specific roles in the industry that kind of lead to it, or is it kind of more across the board? Uh, it's I've, all I've, across the board. Yeah, and, I've, and I've, it, I've experienced it yeah. in in my patch management days, where patch management just never seemed to end. You just you get yeah. one patch out, and you're just like. Oh, now it's time to relax. And all of a sudden, you know, past Tuesday comes, you're just going, what, again? Again, another yeah. one? Um, and it just progressed. And, and until you got to the point where you dealt with it, I remember, you know, to your point around leadership, um, I remember one of the things I learned many years ago, and I think this is probably, I think it's more making sure we, we get the social understanding and skills to be able to address and identify it as well. It was years ago when one of my managers identified, you know, realized that I was working nonstop. I was just back-to-back and not having enough uh, of my time, even to the point where I've been working long nights and weekends. And I worked in a very stressful support severity environment uh, over those years. And uh, it got to the point where uh, he came to me and, and he basically gave, the, the, you know, normally what you could have a choice is saying, I could either get paid for that extra time or I could take extra days off for it. And it was his words to me really made a very important change in my lifestyle. He was like, you know, my recommendation is is not to take the pay, take the time, because time is the most valuable thing in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't get it back if you you know you can get you can get more money in the future, but you can't get your time back. And he highly recommended that you know taking the time was the most important thing at that time. And it made me realize that absolutely that we need to you know we need leadership to identify that and to see it and to be able to recognize it and to make sure that the employees are getting sufficient recovery and rest time. Um, uh, because I think lack of that, um, leads to a lot of these other traumas, uh, you know, that can be prolonged. Yeah. It, you, we definitely see it like when, unfortunately, managers, when they micromanage. So a lot of these managers are like, you need to be in the office. I need to see mm-hmm. you be in the office. Um, that's already setting up for a situation where, you know, you're going to have employees that are going to be incredibly awkward, uncomfortable. Um, to go in the office um, because they're not feeling like they're being listened to. Instead, they're being mm-hmm. dictated what to do and there's no trust. And when we don't have trust, then we can't build a relationship with our manager. 
So you can have really bad managers that can actually cause PTSD. Like I know people that had to go see like, you know, a psychiatrist and a therapist because of a bad manager, um, because they would text them over the weekend. They would call them during like late hours to tell them to do something. And, and then it gets to a point where they start getting scared. They mm-hmm. go into the office. They might start like sweating. Their hands might get a little bit sweaty, you know, going into a room with this person or anytime they see that person, like their body just kind of tenses up. Um, those are signs of someone who's going through trauma and is reliving trauma. And we especially see this, and I hate to say this, but when it comes to people of that are marginalized in our community, they are going to be the number one targets for this situation. Um, there's countless of people that have experienced like discrimination and harassment and assault in the office. And then having to go and relive that trauma by knowing that person still exists in their world is not a way to heal. And so what happens is they might withdraw from the work. They don't do as much work because of this experienced trauma and people fire them. And then they're like, there's something wrong with me. But in reality, it takes years later for them to recognize, oh, this isn't on me. This was that person that did that to me. We get a lot of those kind of cases when I interview folks. That's like the one thing I found so it, common. Is it unique to the security industry? Or I mean, is this just something we have across multiple industries? And it's more not just uh, isolated to security, but it's it's across, you know, consulting or, you know, service industry or and so forth. Um, so it's, it's much more of a, a national uh, challenge that needs to be addressed rather than just an infosec by itself. I think any industry that has a lack of, you know, representation of marginalized people, we're going to have this type of situation. But I would say um, the one thing in infosec, which scares me the most, is the fact that, you know, even CISOs right now are mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And when you are a leader and you're dealing with this kind of stuff, it does trickle down. And then what ends up happening is you start building a team of people that are going to be so overwhelmed, burned out. And like you said earlier, maybe reaching for, you know, more alcohol, more caffeine. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't talk about this part, which is if you're drinking more caffeine, that's a sign right there. You know, caffeine is a drug. When you're drinking coffee and tea, it is a drug. You have to understand that. I know. So I'd be like, that was for me, like any time in the past where I'm like, oh, I need to have another cup of tea. I'm like, oh, I'm stressed. Like I need to, I need, I need to relax. And so, I I mean, I've been burned out, I think twice, you know, Mm -hmm. in my life. And, and I would say like the times where I, I didn't know that I was burned out was that, I would just have drank tea, maybe like, you know, three cups of tea a day suddenly, or I would mm-hmm. drink like a, like a coffee or something like that. And that, that was kind of the warning signs are, are those, they're really, they're very quiet. That's the thing. Like a lot of people don't know it's very quiet when you start having those mm-hmm. warning signs, such as oh, I'm just, you know what, I'm going to have another cup of coffee. That is a sign right there. The next sign is it used to take you like 10 minutes to respond to a quick email. Now it's taking you like an hour, maybe a whole day. Change of behavior. That is a silent thing. And to you, you may not find it right away. It might take months or until someone points it out to you. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, we need to, we need to find a way where we can recognize in ourselves, but also as leaders to be able to recognize that in our employees. I mean, how, how important is it to get, you know, leaders in the industry, which really, you know, take this very seriously and do it well. I, mean, I remember even we had uh, uh, quite a while back, a good friend of mine, Dave Kennedy came on and we, we chatted about it. We were talking mostly about penetration testing, but we did at the end of the podcast talk about, um, you know, uh, mental health uh, side of things as well. And he wrote, read uh, one of the letters that he sent to his employees the week prior, all about mental health and about taking the time and about the balance. And I thought, you know, from 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 Dave, his his leadership in this industry is, is great. And sometimes it takes people like him to really, you know, uh, raise the awareness. And not long after is when he started the Hacking Health podcast, which I thought was amazing, you know, because I think it's really, for me, what is really important is that, um, you know, sometimes in, in, social, in the social side of things, that I think it's important to pe- people to share the things they're doing outside of this, you know, in, mm-hmm. in their personal lives. Because um, I think it's really important to see that there's a life beyond just info security, <laughs> that there's something else we do outside. So when people share things, you know, that is whether, you know, Dave and his gym or his DeLorean or you get others who are sharing about vacations or, you know, other types of activities. I think that's great because it shows the human side of things that we have. Um, but unfortunately, there is a lot of, you know, uh, trolls out there that will take advantage of that and really be very aggressive in some of the, the language they use. And I think that's sometimes a bit of a balance that, you know, I, I guess that's probably a broader issue on social media in general, that, uh, yeah. you know, content filtering and, and making sure that, uh, you know, there isn't that nastiness and aggressive inside of things. Um, what can we do? Can we do something as a community that, you know, during events or providing, you know, I think it was uh, a, a while back uh, during the pandemic, we did have the uh, Fancy Friday uh, times where it was great just kind of way to, to connect socially. Um, um, unfortunately, bad time for me, time zone wise. But um, I think it's, you know, do we need to have more of those community types of events to help each other um, and provide ways to, you know, just like, you know, people have who dealing with, uh, you know, other types of trauma will have basically meetings to, to discuss it openly. Um, do we need more avenues as a community to do it in this info security industry? That's a great question. Um, I first want to tackle this individually. So the first thing I would say is social media, there's so much research on it that you shouldn't be on it as much. Honestly, um, it becomes, it is just as addictive as any drug out there. Um, and we have to be very careful. Uh, we are very sensitive. You know, humans are sensitive. You know, we'll say like, oh, that doesn't hurt me, but it does. You know, it it will. Over time, it will hurt you. And so it's best to take breaks from social media. Don't be on as much. If you, the first thing I can say is turn off your notifications. Just turn it off. You turn off your notifications on social media, just do it. It is going to help you in so many ways because you're going to check it anyway. So what's the point of having the yeah. notification? Same with email. You don't need to have it on or notifications. You're going to check it anyway. It's automatic. There's um, a great so book. Yeah, there's yeah. a great book from uh, Catherine Price uh, that is about how to break up a mobile phone. And actually, uh, yeah, several years ago, certain conf- when I go to conferences and you know there's some speakers that sometimes it's not not directly. It's it's a related topic. Um, I think it was the same. It was an IC Squared conference where they also had uh, uh, Chelsea talking about the uh, you know the stress of basically the the flight that landed in Hudson, and at the same event also was Catherine Price talking about how to break up with your mobile phone. 
And that was so impactful to me that actually when she was talking and I listened, I was like, I need to make those changes myself. And I actually went, I separated uh, phones. I have now a phone which basically I use just, uh, you know, if I need an emergency to call somewhere or, or just, you know, get somewhere. Um, and then I've got my work phone. I, I've separated it. And I've also removed all uh, social media, bar a few, from my mobile devices. So I need to go to a laptop in order to see, you know, uh, more kind of a thick line to see the social media side. Um, so I've kind of really kind of separated and have a very kind of fine line about, you know, crossing over on that. And it has helped me. It's it's definitely helped me from that addiction of scrolling, just continuously looking into the oblivion that has no real impact in our lives, um, other than increasing stress and, and needs. Um, so absolutely, you know, for the audience, we'll, we'll definitely make sure that, you know, put a link to the book in the show notes because it, it will change your life. Um, so definitely other things you think as well, um, you know, cause definitely social media, you know, separating it or having limitations is important. Yeah. I, I do it where I only allow myself to be on social media for about, so like Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and Instagram, I will give myself like maybe at most one hour a day mm-hmm. and not even, um, and that's usually just me responding to people's DMs, usually, <laughs> or I'm tagging something. Like I don't post as much anymore. Like I remember a couple of years ago before the pandemic, I would, you know, be a regular user of social media, and then I realized like this is so much work. Like I would rather go read a book or like do a puzzle or play with my pups or like go see a friend. Like it's insane how much time we give. And the other thing is that you are a product. Yeah. On social media, you are the product. <laughs> like the social media isn't the product. You're the product. Um, and so they know how to make you want to get back on. That's what mm-hmm. they're doing. That's their job on, you know, on yeah. social media. So the more, the more people is looking at their screen, the more ads they can, you know, sell. Uh, which they know, they know way too much. Um, but I would say, you know, turn off notifications on your phone. You don't need them. Honestly, you don't need them. Um, the other thing I would say on the individual thing is honestly, if, if you have any symptoms of like feeling overly anxious or you feel hopeless or helpless or anything like that, I highly recommend reaching out to a therapist. Um, is there any sites? I, I, I know that uh, every now and again, uh, especially uh, organizations around like uh, B-sides and uh, a lot of different events now, what they're doing is, you know, you have a choice now you know, if you want to donate. And there's, uh, I know there's several sites that's also dealing with mental health and, and security. Is there any, any recommendations that you have that people can go to in order to, to seek help? Um, I would say first talk to your doctor. Um, honestly, what you want to do is get a physical. You want to make sure your vitamins are all okay. And what I mean by that is if you have like low iron, low vitamin B or low vitamin D, you're going to have symptoms of like depression or anxiety. So you want to first get that checked out, make sure that, you know, it's not just a, you know, a body situation. Um, and then talk to your, you know, talk to your doctor and be like, I think I need to go and seek help. That's, that's the first step you're supposed to do. Um, and then they will refer you or your, your insurance will, you know, they will log into your platform and they should have a different ways to know what's in your network. And then just, you know, just go with one of those, read the reviews of them. And, and just note, like you may meet with one and it didn't go out, it didn't go well. That's okay. You can go. It's like, sometimes you have to try on a few 
you know, different ones to see which one fits the best for you. But when you do, like, hold on to them. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'd also I yeah, my, my recommendation as well is also don't be afraid to speak to your, your organization. I'm pretty sure that, you know, not, not all managers may be approachable, but I'm pretty sure most organizations and most managers, um, you know, they want to take care of their employees. So make sure that if you do have a manager that is approachable or organization, which has, uh, you know, uh, facilitates, you know, openness about this uh, type of challenge. Um, you know, feel free to make sure you speak. Because uh, even uh, myself, you know, I've managed, you know, ton, hundreds of people in the past and I've always kept an open door. I've had, you know, employees who's had challenges uh, that was, you know, not always work-related. Some of them are personal-related and you're always keeping it open, you know, making sure that they had the time that they need to be able to sort things out. Um, so I think it's really important organizations and leaderships that we need to, as an industry, make sure that we have strong leaders that can, be open door and be understandable about, you know, employee situations that it's, it's, it, you know, what you end up doing is the more you care for them, the, you know, they, they end up being very loyal, very great employees for a long time. Um, and I think that's really important for, for organizations to, to be open and realize that. Yeah. I wish, I, I really hope people start realizing that it's like, you know, they always worry, well, I don't want to, you know, invest in an employee because if mm -hmm. I do, then they're going to go somewhere else. That's not usually the case. And the majority of the cases is that when you invest in them, they want to stay. People don't, people will stay, you know, as long as you're paying them well and you're caring about them and they feel supported, they will stay. Um, and that, that also that is kind of your role as a manager. Like the thing is like, we have to understand being a manager, it means you're going to be a coach. You're going to be a mentor. You want to see your employee go beyond you. Yeah. That's being a manager. Absolutely. If you're more like, oh, I don't want this person to ever go beyond me and I'll throw them under the bus anytime that I get in trouble, you should not be in leadership. You shouldn't be a manager of people. Period. Yeah, and going back to the, the same same. I mean, I, I've been fortunate. I've I've had great leaders that I worked for over the years, and I'm very fortunate to be you know. And several of them, several of them are still mentors to me even today. Even after you know being out, almost in this industry for thirty years, I still go back to some of my you know mentors and leaders from even back in the nineties, which is I guess it's weird, but um, they still advise me and still give me advice today. And and the great thing is the one one I'm referring to before it is I had a situation also, um, you know, that uh, it was all about, they made the statement to me is if, if you ever have, you know, whatever, you know, an accident that meant that you couldn't come to work or you ever stepped in front of the bus and you know, something horrible happened, would the business be able to survive? And it made me realize that my job is to make sure that the business could survive. And it was always about making sure I could train the people around me to be able to do my job. Um, and that meant that, you know, delegating and, and training and, you know, caring for the employees to make sure that, you know, they could take care of things um, rather than, you know, me keep keeping it all to myself and not sharing um, to making sure that uh, it was kind of balanced. And also actually after that uh, discussion, it also meant that I was delegating a lot more work and freeing up a lot more of my time as well uh, in order to get the balance back. Um, so it goes in, you know, a, definitely a, a major benefit to, to, to kind of really look at the kind of life work balance at that point in time. Um, so I think those are important uh, lessons. Chloe, it's been awesome having you on. I'm really excited to, to really continue, uh, you know, all the future episodes that will have to come. I think we're at something like, uh, 
episode 56 now, um, which is pretty amazing. So we've been doing this uh, podcast for now for two years. And uh, for the audience, I think this is a really important topic. And I think definitely we need to make sure that there's more avenues for people to get help and make sure uh, that we're open and be able to make sure that we you know, care for the community out there because uh, we're only secure as the people around us. Um, and this is really important to make sure that the more people, you know, have, have that mindset and have that capability and will ultimately make the world a safer place. Any final comments that you have for the audience? Oh, just thank you all for existing. And, um, Joe, I'm looking forward to being your co-host at times. And, you know, if anyone has any questions about these kind of things, my DMs are always open and I'm happy to answer anything or even jump on calls to help people. Absolutely. Fantastic. So again, for the audience, another important topic and uh, to really kind of, you know, if you do see people, you know, reach out and help. Don't, you know, make sure that people have, uh, you know, just sharing and speaking uh, is definitely the, the, the one step uh, moving closer to, to getting help. Uh, so always make sure, you know, keep your door open, uh, make sure that people are just safe and, uh, you know, make sure you also give uh, helping hands when needed. So uh, this is the 401 Access Tonight podcast uh, with your co-hosts, Joe and Chloe. And uh, again, tune every two weeks uh, for the podcasts and stay safe and look forward to seeing you on future episodes. All the best. Thank you. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrary for Business by going to www.cybrary.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Delinea. Dicotic and Centrify are now Delinea, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit delinea.com.